I think the common thread really centers around humans, around this idea of being, uh, having your business centered around listening to your consumers and creating your products out of creating value for your consumers. I'm your host, Dave Knox, and this is Predicting the Turn, a show that helps business leaders meet their industry's inevitable disruption head on. Welcome to another episode of Predicting the Turn. Today, we're in for a really fun conversation as we sit down with Heidi Browning, a long-term friend who today sits in the seat as the Chief Marketing Officer for the National Hockey League. Heidi, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Dave. Awesome. It's always good to catch up with you. I want to uh, jump right in on your career if we could. You and I met in the early days of social media when you were at MySpace. You then went on to Pandora, and now you're the CMO of the NHL. What has been the common thread as you move from social media to music and now to hockey? I think the common thread really centers around humans, around this idea of being, uh, having your business centered around listening to your consumers and creating your products out of creating value for your consumers. So from a MySpace perspective, um, we were, you know, the first and biggest social media network uh, before Facebook uh, became uncloaked. And that was where it really came to light that the the marketing contract between consumers and brands was changed forever. And this notion that uh, consumers had a platform formed to create and distribute content in their own voice and actually had the opportunity to tell brands what they think and expected to have a response uh, and a conversation in return. That was a really exciting moment in our lives as marketers and as brands. And so that part of uh, social media and the, and the consumer value there has really uh, continued as we look at how it's applied through other aspects of entertainment. So with music moving to Pandora, it was the same thing. We had this listener first mantra within the organization. The whole organization was built around that. And every decision that we made was really about how do we benefit our listeners with the, the decisions and the products and the services that we create. So that, uh, again, is true in sports. When you think about a fan-first mentality, we're here to serve our fans. And everything we do in the game, whether it's you know modifying or updating or changing the rules of the game to the experience of the game to the digital, social, mobile experience that we have that accompanies the game, these are all um, centered around the fan at the core. So speaking of that, uh, the sport and the awesome game of hockey. We are standing as this episode comes out with you about to kick off your third season as the CMO of the NHL. What are you most excited about for the upcoming season? Oh, we have lots of exciting things uh, coming up. We've come off a couple of years of really incredible storylines. We have some really young talent that is really changing the game. It's evolving uh, from the sport it was 20 years ago. It's about speed, it's about skill, and this youth movement is really taking hockey to an entirely new level. We've got, you know, some new teams that have joined recently. So Las Vegas launched their first franchise a couple of seasons ago. So as they continue to grow and evolve as a team, uh, we're excited to see those storylines unfold. 
And then we've got Seattle that we're breaking ground right now on the arena up there and working uh, to bring another new franchise to the NHL in the coming years, coming seasons. So we've got the young talent. We've got the incredible game. We've had our playoffs this last season were the best that we've had uh, in terms of most watched playoffs in 23 years. And that is attributed to a lot around the, the incredible talent that's in the game, but also the unpredictability within our playoff format. And we went to a game seven this season, which was also really exciting. Uh, and we, that game seven was the most watched game on record since we've been recording that as part of the National Hockey League. So we feel like we've been able to take our game, expand it beyond sort of the avid hardcore hockey fans, introduce it to new fans, and it's uh, proving itself by um, seeing these incredible ratings. I love that. Well, you know, on that note of ratings and attention, you know, one of the biggest changes that sports leagues have been dealing with is the rise of sports betting. In your seat at the NHL, what have been the second order consequences for the league as different states have adopted to legalize sports gambling? And especially as you have a franchise now in Las Vegas. Yeah, I mean, I look at sports betting as the next big disruptor for the sports industry. If you think about it, even though it's not a national policy and it's being conducted on a state-by-state basis, it allows us the opportunity to test the value of our data, the, you know, how and when we take that data to market. So you, you combine that with some technology that we're working on, which is our player puck tracking which enables us to put uh, some technology within the puck and then marry it to technology in a player's jersey. We can capture data up to 2,000 data points per second. And with that, we are able to look at the amount of time, puck time a player has, the speed of the puck. It opens up a whole new opportunity for us to enhance the fan experience as well as the sports betting experience. So taking this data, immediately putting it into broadcast feeds, taking this data, immediately pumping it into leaderboards for prop bets. And then using this data for our coaching apps, we've got uh, technology collaboration with Apple and SAP to bring this data into the bench or onto the bench so that our coaches can have real-time uh, data at their fingertips to coach the sport. So let's talk a little bit about that piece of technology because that, that puck tracking is such a cool thing. But some people might say, well, haven't you guys been doing that for a while? So what made it so difficult for you to create that technology that would withstand uh, withstand the NHL? So some people might remember the glowing puck from the 90s, which was really the concept was far before its time uh, could be realized from a technology standpoint. And so fast forward to, you know, the research and development that we've been doing for the last few years, we've got some challenges with that inherent in our game. Number one is the speed with which the game is played and the speed of the puck. Two is the force on the puck and three is the cold. So you think about the pucks have to be cold and this, you know, introduces all kinds of factors that people, you know, far smarter than I understand, but we need to make the puck look like a puck, feel like a puck, perform like a puck for the players, while at the same time being able to have the accuracy that was required with, you know, no latency so that we can fuel the fan experience, the betting experience, and the coaching tools. 
So speaking of that fan experience, you know, there's been a lot of talk about how the rise of home entertainment is impacting, you know, fan attendance at all kinds of sporting events. How's the NHL adapting to this new reality to create an elevated fan experience, both at home, but also most more importantly in the arenas? So there's so many opportunities to enhance the, the fan experience in both places. So data is one of those opportunities. Engaging with social media while you are engaging with the sport, whether it's live and or uh, watching it on broadcast, is a huge part, including that in the conversation. We are definitely having a huge focus on how can we evolve our social media voice and make it more of a conversation and make it more appealing to younger generations with the type of content that we create and share and distribute on our social channels. We've moved away from being, you know, sort of a PR outlet to being a true engagement medium across all the various social platforms, which has been a slow but um, a good journey that we've taken. We've also dipped our toe into esports and esports playing our EA game, NHL game. And we just completed our second season of doing a global esports tournament. The game right now isn't really optimized for uh, official um, esport performance and playing, but we decided that, hey, we're not going to wait for the game to be created because we've got all these fans who love the game. Let's go out and create a tournament around the game as it is today. And that has been an incredible um, story for us. We launched our first season in the U.S., uh, Europe, Canada, and then did the Grand Championship in Vegas at the new Luxor studio. And then we did uh, another year of that this last season. And we saw incredible growth and engagement with our game and our sport. We're seeing our teams start to get more involved in it. And again, you know, most people who play esports don't play actual sports games, but it's really exciting to see the passion around and with which people do play NHL with our EA game. And one of the great parts about this or great opportunities about it is that we know that the more you play the game, the more familiar you are with our players, um, their stats, their numbers, et cetera. It's a great form of introduction and education of our game. And so our hope is that not only can we harness the attention and the, and the fandom of our hockey fans, but we can use the game to expand it to new uh, audiences who learn about us through esports. Talent is a big part of predicting the turn. And as we talk about talent, I wanted to mention one of our sponsors, Hunt Club. Imagine the power of the best marketers in the world helping you to find your next marketing leader. That's the power of Hunt Club. Hunt Club is a new category of talent company that powers the network of experts, connectors, and business leaders to help you find the best talent. Let's face it, recruiting hasn't changed with the times. Hunt Club is changing the recruiting game by leveraging technology and crowdsource referrals to find you the best people possible for your company. Stop paying job boards that don't work or recruiting firms that recycle the same active candidates. Partner with Hunt Club. So the heart of what you just talked about is really around experiential marketing in some ways. So what takeaways can big brand marketers learn from the experiential marketing efforts of sports? Well, 
everything is experiential in sports. And I would say that, you know, what we know is that there's no better sport live than hockey. You not only see the game, feel the game, you experience the game. And we hear that, you know, from everyone who experiences hockey either as a longtime fan or a first-time participant. And so what we try to do is think about how do you take that moment, that emotional connection that you have feeling the game when you're there for your first time and use technology to bring that to the masses. So, you know, using things like our player puck tracking that can then translate into virtual reality and having a virtual reality experience to either accompany the game or, you know, to have the game live long after uh, the players get off the ice. Those are important ways I think that we as marketers can bring and extend the sports experience uh, to uh, the masses around the world. So your background really comes from the world of technology and startups and your homes even in San Francisco. So when you think about all of these R&D efforts that you've done and things like esports and experiential, what role is engaging with external companies like startups uh, play versus internal efforts? Well, we're fortunate because uh, there are so many uh, startups up there that have the opportunity to intersect with sports. So, you know, there's a lot of startups around uh, biometrics, biofeedback that help performance for athletes. There are a lot of startups out there that are all around engagement of fans through interactivity, either through social channels or mobile applications that we think are really interesting. And there are also a lot of opportunities to enhance sponsorship through startups. The other area of opportunity for uh, intersection with entrepreneurs is around harnessing all of this data that we have and seeing what are the interesting ways that we can apply it, uh, again, to enhance the broadcast experience, fan experience, or uh, performance of our athletes. And we're seeing a whole ecosystem sort of coalescing around this. It's driven largely by the legalization of sports betting in many states. So speaking of that sports betting, you know, one of the interesting trends we've seen is that leagues and even team owners have started getting into investing in startups, taking stakes for partnerships. How do you think about the role of where bigger companies should play with partnering versus investing versus even acquiring some of these partners? Ooh, that's a that's a great question and a, and a tough question to answer because it depends, right, <laughs> on so many different factors. As a league, we've made strategic investments. We've we've done it all, right? We've made strategic investments. We've, um, you know, partnered with. I'm not certain if we've flat out purchased any organizations out there, but the idea of being able to find technologies that will create value for our clubs is hugely important to us. And, um, you know, anything that we can do to enhance the club's ability to get closer to their fans, to increase their, you know, revenue potential as well is really interesting to us. I love that. I have one uh, challenge to throw out there since I know you have a number of entrepreneurs uh, that follow this podcast. One of the challenges that 
sports have in general is around the identity of who's in every seat in our arena. So you've got season ticket members, they um, buy season tickets, but uh, often can't see every single game. So they resell their tickets on the market, on the secondary market and or give them away to friends, colleagues, etc. cetera. Um, then we have single ticket buyers who maybe buy multiple tickets uh, to because they don't go to a game alone. They go to game generally with one or two or three other people. And and we have this challenge of not being able to know who's in the other seat. And if there were a way that we could identify that in every arena, and this is not unique to hockey, this is you know a challenge that we're trying to overcome in all sports, I think you could unlock a whole bunch of opportunities to work with leagues all over the world. Well, entrepreneurs out there, you have a, a good challenge to tackle on that one. So... Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about your background and uh, how you've prepared yourself for the role you're in today. In each part of your career, you've worked closely with big brands in advertising, where in a lot of cases, you're championing emerging channels. You know, MySpace, as you mentioned, was one of the first social networks out there. Pandora, you were on the early edge of how to think about the shift from terrestrial radio to streaming music. So how do you personally stay on top of these emerging trends and technology to make sure professionally you're ahead of the curve? I think it gets down to just being curious and seeking out the, you know, the partners and the people that are out there that are doing really interesting things. You have to make yourself available and really lean into what are the areas that you want to learn. Um, and the truth is, is that you're never really prepared for any of it. So the idea of, you know, getting involved in digital in the early days and then social media and then Pandora, which was both the pioneer of personalization and also one of the first apps on the iPhone that changed really everything that we knew about smart marketing in the digital landscape was not directly applicable in apps in those early days. Those are the exciting things. It's almost like the unknown is what is more interesting and exciting and propels you to, to, uh, to pursue or propels me to pursue these kinds of opportunities. And uh, the idea of how can I help others around me, whether it's, you know, brands that want to partner with us or uh, colleagues within the organization understand the power that technology can play in improving and transforming our marketing and can deeper connection with consumers. That's a great mindset. So, you know, a lot of cases when you've worked with a lot of big brands and advertisers in that regard, and it's really tough for them to have that mindset of, you know, what I call continuous beta, because they're spending every day on meetings and reporting and kind of getting through the day to day. How do you find that time for curiosity and almost force it into your career in that regard? What advice would you give to, to Fortune 500 marketers? That's a, that's a great question. Uh, well, I like to be up to speed on anything regarding innovation. So I do read a lot about it. If I can't meet with people, I at least keep my finger on the pulse of what companies are emerging out there, who's exciting in the tech, in the technology, Based, I stay connected to to companies that are out there to help kind of vet these companies for us. So in the sports space, there's um, a group called the Sports Innovation Lab, whose co-founder is Angela Ruggiero, who is a four-time Olympian hockey player. She's a badass, and her whole mission is to kind of help sort through 
all of the noise out there and surface the types of companies that she knows would be interesting to us as a league, knowing what our goals are and uh, what, you know, um, opportunities are out there and finding that intersection. And there are lots of VC firms that do this and, and people like yourself, Dave, that are on top of these technologies. So I would advise marketers to find your, you know, find your person out there that can be your Sherpa and, you know, help you identify areas that um, to challenge yourself and uh, learn about something new. So speaking of that, of a, a Sherpa of a different kind, one of the really cool programs you announced recently is the Power Players Council. Can you talk about the inspiration behind that program and what the league aims to learn from it? Sure, this is um, such a, a fun story. When I first joined the league, this young girl named Sabrina Solomon, she was 11 at the time, sent me a written letter in the mail, and I don't get real mail very often. So, uh, I, you know, of course, I opened it right away, and it was this lovely letter, and she talked about how it was summer break, and she had all these ideas. She'd read the article in the Wall Street Journal that what my mission was, and part of our mission is to help create and craft a brand for the next generation of fans and really understanding what that younger generation wants. And so she had all these ideas that she wanted to share with us. And she actually offered to work for us for free, which of course we couldn't do. So we invited her into the uh, into the league office. And I brought in a group of people from across the organization thinking, here's this young girl. that She could be inspired by any number of roles in the company, right? There's marketing, there's content, there's all of our social corporate responsibility. We've We've got merchandising, we've got gaming and esports. So we brought in a number of different people to, you know, to um, for her to meet and for her to share her ideas. Well, we had no idea she was going to come in with a full-on PowerPoint filled with really good ideas. And we sat around the table, and she presented these ideas back to us with such poise. And it was a real aha moment for us because a lot of these ideas we were already doing, but she didn't know about them. And it was a real moment when you say, like, we're doing all these cool things, but if we're not resonating with the young people in the right way, then it doesn't really matter. And so from there, we, you know, we talked about how can we make sure that we've got a sounding board and are in touch with what is interesting to the next generation. So she inspired our Power Players Advisory Board which we launched. Uh, it took a, you know, a, a while for us to figure out, you know, how is this going to work? And, you know, it, we wanted to be respectful of, um, you know, of course, all the um, COPA laws and privacy laws and everything that's out there to make sure that we do this in the right way and create value for the kids, but don't, you know, take up too much of their, their personal time because they're all quite busy. So we, we um, launched this program called the Power Players. We did a call for applicants. We had about 1,500 applicants. We narrowed it down to 15. We did video interviews with each and every one of them. Each and every one of them who is on our board has what I call their NHL superpower or their marketing superpower. They have their own meme accounts or they have a huge YouTube following, they're an influencer in the hockey community, or they're committed to, uh, or they write blogs, or they write for um, you know, legitimate online publications, or they're committed to bringing hockey to um, diverse communities. So they all have something that they're really passionate about. And so this is the advisory board. We meet with them quarterly. We give them monthly topics, and we're using them to kind of help shape our 
thinking, but also to respond and give us feedback on marketing that we are um, putting into place for the upcoming season. That's such a cool program. It's uh, going to be really fun to see where that one goes over the next few years and what kind of comes out of it. Oh, yeah. The best thing about it is these kids are between the ages of 13 and 17, and they just tell you the truth. They're real, and, you know, you don't, as you get older and, you know, go through business over time, you don't always hear the truth. And so I appreciate the honesty and the truth that they provide. I love that. Very cool. Well, Heidi, it's always amazing to sit down and talk with you. There is so much for people to unpack from uh, everything you just shared. So thank you for taking the time. Oh, it's my pleasure. And thank you, Dave. And good luck with your continued success here. It's, uh, it's fun to listen to you. And I always learn something new. So I hope uh, I can share something with your followers as well. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening. If you like the show, hit that rating and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And for more resources, head over to predictingtheturn.com.